Are we recording? We are. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we, we talked a lot this week um, with the new wave, and we did a big riffing thing, and uh, that felt really good. That felt awesome yeah. to us. Um, I hope it felt awesome to you because it felt like we were back in the cut fruit room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at, just oh, just uh, riffing. We like writers room. Literally, like how we met, and it was like ah, oh, we're home. <laughs> that, that's this sweet, feels nice. sweet dragon fruit. But yeah, so we we were talking a lot about like our tours and stuff. We thought it would be fun to kind of do like a little bonus episode thing because we're still kind of talking about yeah. it like yeah we only like, stopped because know, of time restraints it was not because yeah, we ran out of material like, yeah no we were <laughs> still like happens. oh this is cool that was cool no we literally never stopped uh so but I, we kind of wanted to talk about because the last couple episodes we talked about this idea of auteurs right an auteur theory yes yeah, the- and you start talking about directors and artists and their methodology and kind of re-examining and looking back at other directors and we kind of wanted to talk about like our viewpoint on auteurism and the auteur theory and is auteur a thing and what are the problems with it and instead of like trying to shoehorn that into this episode and make it really long it would have sounded stilted yeah it would have sounded really stilted so let's just do a little bonus thing on the side and, and everybody gets a little extra this week like a dollop of uh, dollop of whipped cream on top of this. Yeah, was, uh, warm air is coming. People are getting vaccinated. Let's give the people what they want. Let's give them some more. G film so. history now, baby. <laughs> yeah, for you. Yes. So, what is your thoughts on autourism, <sighs> Mark? So I I love the Kaye du Cinema guys, Godard, Truffaut, all of them. They're the one who kind of coined this phrase uh, using like Hitchcock as an example, as we talked about. I. All the directors who they pinpoint as auteurs, and then including themselves, I like like all of them, <laughs> and yeah. I, I I I'm conflicted because this auteur theory to me seems like if you're gonna think of a movie as a painting, it, like the painter, there's like one, there's one vision that ends up. Now a movie is obviously a huge collaboration. People can argue, do you need like in guess you can call an authoritarian vision someone who's going to be able to override everyone or i guess the flip side of that is like a collaborative approach i like cassavetti so much because i think he kind of splits the difference because one of his his marks of his authorship is that he uses this kind of the same band of collaborators and like i said like uh guys who are in his movies are also like the sound guy in the movie and stuff and so like they edited everything by hand and so it was their vision like by Cassavetes but he took a collaborative approach and I, I don't like the, that auteur theory leaves out yeah, so much of the that's collaboration. That's what it felt like to make movies in high school with me and my friends was exactly what Cassavetti did. Yes. Like we were taking turns being in front of the camera being behind the camera who was also editing who was also doing this like I was making mu- original music. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. And on the side like it was just literally everything. All like, hands on deck. I think that auteur theory is great in theory i don't necessarily think it's true because there's too many things to blame when it goes wrong because if the the defenders of auteur theory go this movie would not have happened if it wasn't for this director like it is a film by quentin tarantino and that is it yeah it's his vision his sheer willpower that 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 it's a force that like finished this thing that's the kind of credit we give these auteurs but what happens when it fails well then it's the studio (laughs) well the publicist it was this it was the pr machine wasn't there they had just pumped a little bit more you know what they didn't give him enough control they didn't let him 
him have his full thing because now you have like if, if, that the whole concept of director's cuts is solely from auteur theory. It's Ridley Scott going, no, this is the movie I wanted to make. And everyone's seeing the difference between the studio and the director's cut and going, oh my God, they're two different movies. You could almost, yeah, if you watch them back to back, almost what the difference is, that margin that is almost the measure of what a director in an auteur role can do versus what, I mean, when I said collaborative, I meant more people on set, but we also have to yeah, keep in mind you are collaborating with a studio. And so you're using that studio's property and and their money. And I mean, some of these 60s guys ran amok and it's part of the reason. I mean, Spielberg, they, the studios like Spielberg. There's so much more control though. Right. Like, like the whole reason why you can't improv on Saturday Night Live isn't because like uh, Lauren Michaels is like this avid, like hater of improv because there's improv actors on that show all the time that become a part of that show that are from like uh, from Chicago and, and San Francisco and New York and and they all come here to be on this show but the reason why there's no improv is because like there were there was like a host that came on and just like went off the rails in one of the first few seasons and like oh, who was crazy that? and like it was such a mess that they're like he's like this is never happening again and any host that has improv anything has never come back yeah elvis costello famously he he played his song lauren michaels told him do not play i forget which one it was but it was i guess too controversial and of course costello they like opened with it and yeah, yeah they so almost I mean, like, got the cord yeah. pulled on but yeah they, it, to your point yeah it's 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 it facilitates ease when there is more of a of an authority vision but is that a good thing, I guess, is then the question. Now, if the director reads a book and then writes the script and then he's producing it and he's got the final say in editing, he, she, they, yes, auteur, because it is so much control. Talking Kubrick, it is, The Shining, you, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're talking like that level of stuff where you're going through the credits and it's like bump, 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 and you are in almost every right. major thing. Then it's like, you know what? Like, this was your money too. Like, yeah, like you paid all these people to be in your movie. Yeah, this is your thing. You're the author of it. But when you've got this person wrote it, this person directed it, this person edited it, this person did the soundtrack or or orchestral score, whatever, at that point, at any of those stages, you have the wrong person, it fails. It's not notorious anymore. It's like a house of cards, kind of. Yes, which is why it is so hard to get financing for such big projects. Like, there's guys that I've talked to, right? Like, there is, when when I was in Philly, there was this guy, he's like, oh, you're a writer? I'm a writer. I'm a lawyer. And I'm on the R5. And he's just sitting there next to me, pitching me this romantic comedy thing. Now, mind you, I've only worked on, like, two independent student films at this point. But he hears I've been on films. Right, right, yeah. Then and then he's talking to me. The number, he gives us a card. I go, you know, let me call. Let me see what the script is. It's a romantic comedy. Easy to shoot, right? <laughs> Super easy to shoot. It's just a bunch of people. And, like, maybe you need, like, somebody's, like, pizza shop. Yeah. Maybe you need, like, somebody's house. And you got some outside shots in a park. Romantic comedies are actually could be very low budget. This guy was trying to pitch me this thing that he thought, like, if we could work together, we could get a $250 million budget for a romantic comedy. What? He was out of his <laughs> <f-ing> mind. <laughs> $250 million. <laughs> 
I said 250 million is a world record that like Terminator 3 set when they made that movie. Yeah, these are camera numbers. Special effects. He's like, yeah, but like, you know, do you have any idea how much George Clooney asks per movie? I'll tell you right now, it ain't that much. Not Anyone working in Hollywood. Million. But like that guy was like, no, this is my vision. And he, right? This yeah. is my script. But he's a man. So like, man. if you're going in like that, yeah, but he was insane. Yeah, but we're allowing that with directors. We allow that with David Fincher. We yeah. allow that with like all these other guys. No, 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 no. This is my movie. No, it's not. It's our movie. Like, I, if I'm not allowed to sit there with my script and go, no, 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 the words are on the page, you can't do anything to it, and I'm the that gets bought out, why isn't that happening with the directors? Because there's this theory that's been floating around from Kaye du Cinema. It's French. Well, to Pete. be fair, well, you know, uh, no, no, no. Intellectual. No. If they want me to be, if they want me to be postmodern, I'm gonna kill my father. Because right? that's what that's what that is what postmodernism is about. It's about killing your artistic fathers. Yeah. To an extent, it's true, but it is it, it is so like diluted. That it's good. We, we have because of like Justice League, the Snyder cut. Yeah, that. Oh, we, we have to have Zack Snyder's vision. Yeah, that's great. It's a much better film. But like, if you're just looking at like Justice League as a like a objective film, not I'm not a big fan of like Zack Snyder's movies per se, like narratively speaking. Yeah, that, he's an interesting because, or, or like even stylistically, like, like I feel like he had the super slow mo thing for a while with yeah, 300, 300 and a couple other things. Sucker he punch. had a very like digitized look to it, very Sin City look to it that he was riffing off of. He's a pop artist guy, kind of like Michael Bay. A pop yeah. artist guy. That's not wrong, but like, I, don't put the auteur label on him. I don't think he's fully an auteur because he changes his style too. That's interesting. What? So, like, if you're adapting your style to the times, you're not real. Like, you're populist like, filmmaker, not an auteur. To a certain extent, it's like, well, is it maybe themes you're tackling? Maybe that's part of the auteur theory. You know, is it this, is it that? I mean, if you're talking about themes, then you're just selecting, and you're not writing the scripts, then you're just selecting, like, those themes from other writers. You're curating. Those other writers are, def you're a curator. You're not an auteur. That's interesting. Yeah, is a, is a curator of a museum, is it their museum? Like, no. <laughs> it, like, they brought, but, like, it took other people to produce their art to get yeah, it on like, the like, walls. Yeah, like, who, um, oh, my God, who did Dune? The the new one. David Lynch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the... You know it's a David Lynch project immediately. 100%. But he is in a lot of those boxes, and it's a very defined style, and every project has to deal with, like, these certain things. You know, like, they all have that certain thing about them. I mean, like, to the point where, like, he's OCD about his process, where he's got to go to Bob's Big Boy every day, and he's got to have this number three <laughs> and this thing and that drink. He's such a character. Yeah, but, like, he does all this stuff because – so he doesn't have to think about how like, eating or drinking or whatever because he's so focused on I have to have this defined, like, thing. So he's like – That's an auteur. He's, he's – He's in a waking sleep as <laughs> as he's envisioning these movies, yeah, it like, sounds like. like. John Waters is an auteur. Yeah, there, it's it's unmistakable with him. But I'm thinking... But like, not every filmmaker is an auteur. And of that auteurism and looking at every director as a potential auteur has not really helped filmmaking. Instead, we should be going... Instead of going like, oh, get all these people, right? right look at all these people. These are all your references. 
which is a very new wave thing to do. It's what the French new wave did. Yeah, intertextuality. We're still kind of stuck. Which is your postmodern stuff. Still kind of stuck in it. Yeah. Like, we should be going, well, look what Cassavetti did. His whole thing was about music. How do I bring this energy, this musical energy into film? Maybe we should be talking about, like, how do I bring the energy of that oil painting out? Because that's what Ridley Scott did with Gladiator. Gladiator is only based off of a painting. It's not even historically accurate. It's about that pain. Yeah, I didn't even know that. You're, yeah, we'll get to Ridley Scott next week too because you're a Ridley yeah, fan. Yeah, so like, so I mean, like, that's that's something that is out there and different that you can pull from and take. I think like you can have so, periods of work, right? Like Ridley Scott has a historical period and da 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 da, much like Picasso has a blue period. You know, right, like Tarantino yeah. has a crime period, and and then this, and then he has his exploitation period, which he kind of worked through. Jewish exploitation, black exploitation, you know, uh, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is literally a, a, about how Hollywood is exploitation. Yeah, yeah. that's an awesome It is point. an exploitation, yeah. exploitation yeah. movie. It is the pinnacle. So it's, that's the end of the trilogy. He has little trilogies. Yeah, and he that thinks of it that way. So let me ask you this. It Does an auteur have to be like self-aware? Like, do they yes. have to academically be like, Making a film thinking, I want this to be read as I yes. want the script to be in 20 years a book, and I want this film yes. to be studied. That's yes. so you can't really be an accidental auteur. No, everything has to be purposeful because there's so much choreography that goes into the dance of a film. That's true. And you, I mean, so you almost you have to be you can riff with like a movie like Dog Show if you've got everything set up for it and everybody's on board. But even then, that is a choreographed improvisational dance. It still has to be on that floor. It still needs to have the setup and everything ready, right? So, like, it being improvisational is an intentional scripted decision that is being made by that artist who has his own troupe of actors. And, like, he's doing that because it's like those films are going to be studied. Those comic films are going to be studied in that way. People are going to look at that and go, like, there's no movies like this This group only does it like this. And whenever they go outside of that range, it's people riffing off of this. It's like this little, like, like Pollock wasn't accidentally an artist. Those splotches, every single one of those drops of paint is intentional because he's trying to show you what it's like to paint a painting. And uh, yeah, I guess some more. It's not just random that he threw at that. That's emotion. That's that Movement, is what it yeah. is like to paint Physics. a painting in its purest form. That is what it is like to throw canvas on a, a paint on a canvas. Like, like like those artists are the ones that we remember and we call them artists. Not every painter is an artist, and not every artist, unfortunately, makes things that are worth remembering. Sometimes they make trash. That doesn't mean we shouldn't study it. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at it and go, what were they trying to do? Because they might actually be part of a bigger movement that they have no idea they are a part of. Much like the new wave. Well, These guys were just all doing this shit all kind of at the same time and reacting to each other and not really knowing what was happening. Yeah, I think so. Like, Roger Corman seemed, like, I don't know if he had the vision of, uh, like, if he knew he was in the historical, like, mini moment. But, because he's a guy, he started producing, he, he would uh, be the American distributor for a bunch of these, like, Fellini films and, and Kurosawa's later work and stuff. So he, he had this highbrow thing, but he also understood that, like, he, he brags he never lost money on a movie. So, like... He just took the trend that was on the time, and then he found someone, a young, talented guy, was like, hey, you want to be a director? Direct this for me. Uh, I bet it'll make money because it's a good story. And they went yeah. out and cranked it out in 10 days, low budgets. And 
like is he the auteur probably as a producer i don't think so um and none of the people he worked with could have made a movie yeah i, I don't know I mean, like, because he yeah, yeah but yeah but you, what you're saying is actually a really good point which is kind of like what i was trying to go on in that gigantic rant <laughs> earlier on with about like the writers and the producers it's like it, each one of those things if you don't have the right person in there it fails it doesn't stack right, right yeah why why aren't any of them being looked at in that way Right. And I think it's because those guys wanted to be directors. They saw the director almost like a stage play director. But the stage play director has a much different authority than a film director. Is you that, know, like, is that like, a more collaborative day, it's like, approach or less? No, 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 no. I mean, like more like I mean, like they're telling you how you're supposed to like it's all about the performance on the stage and they're helping design the set like they're intrinsically involved in a lot of these other things. The director might not necessarily always be involved in those things. The director might just be brought in to shoot the script by a studio. That's different. Yeah. It's like, you know, we want you because we want you to make that movie that you made like two movies ago, but with this script. Can you do that? Can you just commodify and toyify your thing and just make this thing and we'll give you this check and you can make whatever movie you want in your artistic career? The one for me, one for you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a little blip on your radar, buddy. But you'll make us movie, you'll make you movie, and you can do your weird artsy one. Yeah, and you know what? And you get your press, and you get this, and you get the, the and there's the confetti, and look, you're the lady on fire right. in the chariot in <laughs> Hunger Games. I, Isn't this so great? This is everything I ever dreamed of! This is everything I wanted! <laughs> <laughs> Pete, are we all tours of radio, of podcasting? Here's the thing. So here's the great part about the sauteur theory. If it's really like, you know, if it's down to that, where it's, you know, am I doing everything? Then we are in an age of auteurs. The age of the autodidact, I call it. We're all learning and doing the that inspires us because, yeah, no one's going to do it for us. Yeah. No, that's exactly what this is. You're right. It is an autodidactic era. We are, we, like, we're figuring out as we're doing it. We've changed the format a couple of times. People are still like, no, this is cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we just gotta to hope. It. Yeah, but I mean, like, the, like the the we're doing this. We we've got all. I've got my writing. You've got your writing. There's all these other projects that we've got multiple projects and pipelines and and various different formats and different places. Like, yeah, we're all we're over like, it. It's we're awesome. All it's so a bunch exciting. Of Renaissance artists all trying to do something similar and get a little tiny piece of something. And maybe we're one of like the little pieces of. Uh, stuff that comes to the top and we can be all part of the same butter yeah (laughs) i like that metaphor yeah yeah right right now like you know we're just all in the the curds man curds way yeah i mean these are eyes closed shots in the dark like this but this is the era that we can look back to because this is what they were doing and yeah the ones we look towards are the ones who did they 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 figured their way to the top um yeah and they were able to yeah take command of of I mean, that's interesting with the studios relinquishing power to individual directors who they saw as like crazy and long hairs and drug addicts and stuff. And so, but th- there was something about these films that went out time and time again and made money. And the studios were like, well, this, we can trust these guys for whatever reason. They're going to get it. We just have to give them the power. And it eventually, yeah, it, it, 
it cannibalized itself because some of the films were these huge i mean apocalypse now as great as it is is it, it's what tropic thunder right this this movie is two yeah. months behind two weeks in the shooting like that's the joke of that movie like yeah and everybody just, thinks they're this grand artist and they have this grand vision and who's the method actor who went way too far <laughs> like, like that's like all that stuff is a perfect example of like how I feel a lot of people in Hollywood look at auteurs, which is like, it's kind of like, why? Like, like they get, they get awards and stuff like that because they're good artists and everything. But at the end of the day, it's a movie. And at the end of the day, it's a business, you know, and these studios are there to facilitate that business we're in a point where they're trying to find a foothold in an area where like we can all be the studio now like we're talking into a studio people are listening to this on their phone and that phone is a studio it's not it's it's distribution it's like we i would be out on a corner 50 years ago with a a upside down the pylon cone as a a bullhorn it's only here for one night it's only on at midnight here like midnight screenings were all over the place for indie films because that's how you could get it distributed now it's vimeo and youtube like it's well how can we take this thing and turn it into another thing and put it on spotify and this other thing and all the, we're not thinking in the same way anymore as like they were thinking about like how do I create this new thing? We're thinking about how to create this new thing and distribute it and sell it. We are the studio now. Yeah, we are the studio. Power. Yeah. We all have our own studios. We all have our own brands. We all have our own everything, you know? So we have a decision to make. Are we going to make a bunch of trash and put it on OnlyFans for our kids to find? in 20 years but your kids like hey i (laughs) (laughs) no no i mean no no but i mean like that's like stuff right like we we have this stuff we put it on pornhub and we put it on this thing that and we don't even think about it and it's just like oh let's just make money yeah or like you know people that just like make yeah or make like whatever or they're just making this product because like oh i have to make this kids book because kids books sell on amazon when you're a self-published author or i have to make a young adult thing because that's the only thing that people are buying right now in in the in the novel world like that kind of stuff like that yeah you're... that really doesn't exist anymore like and that that's the illusion that people need to break if you're listening to this you have the potential to be that next big thing that people go, where the hell did that person come from? What the hell are they doing? Look what they did with a phone. Like you get to be, we are at the potential. Every one of us has the potential to be Tony Stark where they're trying to rebuild the reactor and they can't do it. And Iron Man won. And the bad guy goes, Tony Stark did it in a cave with a bunch of scraps. (laughs) That's us. And then the scientist goes, I'm not Tony Stark. We actually have the potential to be Tony Stark here and make our own Iron Man suit out of a bunch of scraps. Scraps, baby, gorillas. Yeah, so like go out there and do it and put it out there and see what happens. Because you might actually be making important art that no one else is going to make or, God forbid, someone else is going to make it before you. <laughs> That's a worse feeling. It's the worst, yeah. When you're like, son of a... I had no idea Thundercats was going to be that big. <laughs> like, 
So, I mean, like, you've got that, you've got that seed in your head now. Get it. Yeah, it, it really, know? like, if you're thinking, like, well, no one's going to care. Well, no one's going to care if you, if you don't do it. Like, yeah. produce so the you're thing that might survive. I always think about <laughs> if you could be the, the, the one there's just so much content it, it it's it's actually it's just like quantum randomness like you're we don't there's no formula to like hit it big you just got to get out there <laughs> produce stuff yeah. and hope something goes with it and if it doesn't then well yeah, are you having the fun thing you didn't think it was gonna happen or it was like some side thing that you were just like let me try it and see what happens and then that's the thing that you start pursuing and all of a sudden it's like it's the, the Cassavetes thing, his his philosophy was always, are we making, are we having fun making this? Because it's not worth it if you're not. And yeah. you can say that's a corny kindergarten way to look at a film, but I look at it and I say that's the the greatest artist of the, the last magic in film. hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. You keep the magic in film that way, man. That's how you do it. It's, are we having fun? Because you got, you didn't get into this to do a nine to five. Yeah. Yeah, you were trying to get out of the 9 to 5. Yeah, you wouldn't have gone anywhere. You wouldn't have done any of this stuff. You're here because you want to play dress up and pretend and get paid for it. Do it. <laughs> let's have fun. Like that's like let's 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 revel in the ridiculousness that is this industry. And w- you can tell when people had fun. You can tell when people love the movie. You can tell during the press junket. You can tell when you watch it. Like, because sometimes there's a movie that I want to go in and hate, and I end up loving it because, like, you can just see on the screen how oh, much yeah. fun they were you're, having, and it's like, you're I charmed just didn't into the fantasy. Like, why do I like this is the end? I should hate this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I don't, why do I like, why do I like out. this movie? Like, this should not be fun, but, like, it's a movie with a bunch of friends got together and made a movie, and that's cool to watch. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's why, like, uh, it's cool to listen to to, to Cypress Hill because it's just a bunch of dudes and they're they're getting stoned and they're having a good time. That's why people like the Beastie Boys. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could hear in it that they were making just inside jokes for, like, each other. And you don't have to get the joke to get that you... Th- th- that's cool. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you don't you don't need to be to be an artist. Right. Like, I, I, did, I did say I like artists. I do like that oh, to Oh, for extent. sure. And all tours oftentimes are Be professional. Artists. Be professional. Always, right. 100%. Right. Like, don't give anybody especially when you're off the clock. When you're off the clock, don't suffer no fools, my friend. But You are off the clock. But when you're on the clock, be professional because that's what you have to do. And that's how you succeed. And you, like, you know what? You put up with this and, that, and that's the work day. And then at the end of the day, someone tries to get you to stay. You're trying to, they're trying to talk your ear off. And it's like, listen, pal. I clocked out at 5.01. Yeah. It's 5.10. You're my manager. Go f*** yourself. (laughs) In your beamer. The way... 03 beamer, you piece of... The way I saw your eyes go there, I know that there's actually someone driving a beamer. (laughs) And I love it. I want to go get them. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.